0: Thank you for joining us today. We hope God speaks to you. We hope dreams come alive and faith is ignited so you can impact the world and those around you for God's kingdom. Enjoy the message. Hey everybody, welcome to City Place Church. My name is Damon and on behalf of my wife, Taisha, we wanna welcome you to City Place Online. Welcome to the family this morning. For all of you who are watching on Facebook, YouTube, welcome. And for those of you who are gonna be hearing this later on our podcast, again, you are a part of the City Place family and we welcome you today. Listen, we wanna make sure that you have everything that you need for today's service. So, as always, we want you to know that you can find all of the resources for today's service on our Church Center app. All you have to do is click on sermon notes or during our time of giving, Uh, You can give and worship the Lord through your kingdom finances there as well. Or if you want to just print out some paper, you can go to cityplacechurch.com backslash notes to follow along in today's message. Pastor Ty has an amazing message in line for you and I, and I'm not going to be here long. I'm going to step aside, but I want to make sure that our hearts are ready. In a couple of weeks, it is going, a couple of weeks is going to be Easter and we've got service planned for you. And so I want you to be ready because together we're going to worship God. We're gonna work like we talked about just last week. We're gonna witness, we're gonna warfare and we're gonna dream again. And so I want you and I together to be mobilized to invite our family and our friends. And so you can join us in person. In fact, if you haven't been to an in-person service, I want you to come to this one. Let's pack out our service. Uh, all of the service information that you'll need will be online. And we do have spaces available, but we want to make sure that you RSVP your seat because we don't want you to be left out. Come on. So here, right now, what we're getting ready to do, we've got some things happening in the life of our church, but I want you to prepare your heart for what God wants to say. Come on, can we pray? Can we just create an atmosphere right now? And then there'll be some things that you will want to lean into. And then Pastor Ty will come. Let's pray. Father, we love you today. We thank you for your presence. We thank you for your power. Father, there is nothing that we can do without you. Father, I pray that as we're mobilized over these next few weeks to invite our family and our friends on this Easter, after a year where they've had ups and downs, God, I pray that you'll give us the boldness to represent you and to invite those around us. Encounter us today as we encounter you. We welcome you, Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I'll see you in a couple of moments.
1: Hey, City Place. How are you this morning? Happy Sunday to you. And it is almost Easter. I'm super excited that you are here this morning. You know, we've been kicking off a series all this year. We've been talking about this is the year that God does it. This is the year that God does it. In fact, I want to hear you say it loud and proud. This is the year that God does Does it? I've been letting that soak in for months and months and months, even into 2020, when we were thinking about what God would say to us this year. You know, kind of reminds me of the real. It's happened in social media, sort of kind of on a fervency in the end of 2020, when people were posting two images side by side. Do you remember this? It started off on one side saying, this is how it started. And on the other side, it would say, this is how it's going. I kind of feel like that right now where it's sort of like, hey, this might be what this is looking like or where we started, but I know where God's going. I know what the end result is going to look like. How about you? You know what's so interesting about even that imagery in social media is that kind of post has always irked me a little bit, truth be told, because it never talks about what happened in the middle. I know how you started and I know what you're looking like now. And for many people it has awards and accomplishments and really cool things, and it's perfect for a dreamer, but how do you kill a dreamer's anticipation? You forget to tell them what it's like to do the work in the middle. Can I get an amen? How many of you get discouraged a time or two when you realize that God has something for you, but man, it takes work in the middle well here we are the first couple of months in 2021 and god has told us he's already spoken to us this is the year that i do it and for so many of you you've been sending in testimonies and we've been sharing with the church family this is the year god is already doing stuff are you watching your god at work it's been amazing to watch him already on the move Well, this morning I wanna dive in to something else that we've been talking about. For the last couple of weeks, we've been talking about this idea of together, that God is going to do it in us, but he is going to do it with us together. And Pastor Damon has been talking about how we together worship and together we work and together we uh, warfare and witness and together we dream again. And today, right in the middle of that conversation, I wanna wiggle my way in and sandwich in to talk about a slightly different perspective that God would have for us this morning. Something that deals in the same vein of togetherness, but in a slightly different twist. Are you ready? If you're ready, say yes. That's what I'm talking about. It's kind of like God saying, how about you, City Place Church, let me write the story of your Instagram post, of your Twitter post. How about you let me write the story to show you how it's actually going. Can you open your Bibles with me to 1 Kings chapter 19 beginning in verse three. So quick question before we start and dive in right into the scripture. You know, when we say the phrase, this is the year God does it, I wonder what comes to mind. What kinds of things, what kinds of emotions, what what kind of thing are you believing for initially came up to your conversation, to your, to your your to your mind this morning? If you're like me, it's probably like, God, I have these things, these big things that I've been believing you for. Big things, not small things. I don't want you to do small things in my life. I want you to do Something miraculous. I want you to show me your splendor. And you would be like what we are about to read this morning. We're gonna be reading the story of Elisha. Will you journey with me for just a moment and, and give it a little, give it a little attention, give it some space to let this story sink in? Because for many of us, the story of Elijah is pretty common. We know what happened to him, we know we're, what we're gonna find and what we're gonna see. But this morning, I want to show you what God has to say to us about doing it together. All right, if you're ready, in First Kings 19, beginning in verse three, we find Elijah immediately after he has left Mount Carmel. Elijah's had his pinnacle experience. In fact, the ladies of City Place Church and I are studying together a book of Elijah right now in the middle of our study. We haven't quite gotten to this moment yet, but Elijah is going to do miraculous things with God in Mount Carmel. And we see him now the moment after he has just slain the prophets of Baal. He has done the most miraculous work and after three and a half years of drought, He has called down rain from heaven in abundance and in a single prayer has stopped this drought from happening. So we would think on the mountaintop is where we find Elisha. We would think that in the pinnacle of his time, this is where we discover him. But that's not the case. Verse 3 says, Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. When he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servant there while he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness. He came to a broom bush, sat down under it and prayed that he might die. I've had enough Lord, he said, take my life. I'm no better than my ancestors. And then he lay down under the bush and fell asleep. All at once an angel touched him and said, get up and eat he looked around and there by his head was some bread baked over hot coals and a jar of water. He ate and drank, then lay down again. The late angel of the Lord came back a second time and touched him and said, get up and eat for the journey is too much for you. So he got up and ate and drank. Strengthened by that food, he traveled 40 days and 40 nights until he reached Horeb, the mountain of God. And there he went into a cave and spent the night. Despite popular opinion, Elijah, who has just done miraculous things, has also been told, P.S., on account of what you've just done, sister girl Jezebel is not too excited about it. And she has put a bounty on your head and said that in 24 hours, if you do not become like those prophets, she's basically hunting you down, brother. She's hunting you down. The very first scripture that we encountered then was Elijah responding to this threat. Now he is the one who said, there will be no rain. He is the one who said, you have destroyed the altars of God, you've gone away from God, you've gone against the principles of God, and therefore there will be three and a half years of drought. It was Elijah's prayer that started this ripple of effects and Jezebel was of course not too excited about it. But in the grand crescendo, when we see Elijah go back to Mount Carmel and and begin to call upon the name of God and reinstitute the place of the Lord in the kingdom, he leaves afraid. Now here's the thing this morning. I'm actually not mad at Elijah. Elijah shows us in the moment. I'm so grateful that this passage is here in the word for us to digest this morning because it shows the humanity of what Elijah is actually dealing with. But sometimes you and I, in our highest highs and in our lowest lows, we can seem a little schizophrenic. We can come off of the highest event, the most exciting thing that we have to deal with in our life, only to go crash and burn. Now to somebody else, they can look at our life and your life and my life and say, how could you be upset? Your life is great. You've just done big things and great things. But Elijah shows us the fragility of our own minds. He shows us what it's like to be human. He also gives us a glimpse of what it's like to run on fumes. I love the fact that Elijah runs to this area, Beersheba, and he begins to restore himself. And it says that he picks up underneath the tree and gets ready to take a nap. Now, if you know me, you know that I am one to advocate for a good nap. I believe in naps, amen and amen. It's amazing how much restoration in our body affects what we can receive. I thank the Lord, though, that God does not answer all of our prayers. Elisha sits under this tree and doing all of the things and all of the works and all of the time that he's walked with God, he actually asks God, will you let me die? How many of you this morning thank God that He doesn't answer all of your prayers. Sometimes we say things that we don't actually mean. We pray for things that are premature, that we know nothing about. And Elisha makes such a human prayer. He says, God, let me die. And the Lord almost says, doesn't say this in the scripture, not today. You know, I don't know about you, but during the time of the pandemic, it's been difficult for all of us. One of the things I believe that Elisha is dealing with here is this prolonged experience of isolation. For three and a half years, not only has there been drought, but he himself has been tucked away as Jezebel and Ahab have been hunting for him as the source or the cause of the famine to begin with. He has been pulled away from society And at this time, as he's gone and making this grand crescendo of what God would do to the priests of Baal, at the end of the day, Elijah goes back alone. The pandemic has taught us anything. It has taught us that our emotional wellness definitely has the ability for us to make sound decisions and frankly, scary decisions. It's in this place that Elijah is discouraged. Discouraged is the opposite of courage. If you separate dis and courage, the the prefix dis means anti or against. And the second part of that word courage means that Elijah's courage was removed from him in this setting. He was discouraged. And for you and I, discouragement brings the false perception of isolation. Proverbs 18:1 says this whoever isolates himself seeks his own desire he breaks out against all sound judgment or Hebrews 10:25 and it says and let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do but encourage one another especially now that the day of his return is drawing near Elijah finds himself, like many of us, secluded, tucked away, saying, God, I'm all by myself. You've left me out here. I feel like you are so far from me. Now, I'm not going to embarrass you this morning, but I know if you are like me or many people who have journeyed through this pandemic, this global pandemic together, we would say it's been rough. But I tell you this with full boldness. It's the house of God, the people of God, the church of God where we must run in the times of our discouragement and our desperation. So often people say, well, I'm, I'm discouraged or I feel isolated and so I'm not going to go to church. But that's not what actually Hebrews 10, 25, it says, do not forsake the gathering of the brethren. Don't stop leaning in. Don't stop connecting. You might feel like it's not doing what you need, but I assure you that the gathering of people has the hope that you are looking for. You see, Elijah in this moment is sitting under a tree, pondering whether he should die, questioning his calling and frankly questioning God. And so it leads me to ask the question in the context of what we've been talking about here at City Place. So we've been saying God is going to do it together. God is going to, we're going to worship and we're going to work and we're going to witness. But, but, but he has no one around him so what does it look like where where did he go wrong where is the empty what what part of the formula did he not get the memo on you see i believe as we've been talking about god doing it and god showing up that elijah had a critical component and if we think about it like a triangle the who or the what or the why or the where the when the how Today, I'd like to present you with three portions of that triangle. It's the what, the why, and the how. And we find that Elijah has a critical misstep. The what, God doing it, is so very clear. He left Mount Carmel with a full display of God's splendor. In fact, we said earlier, this is exactly how you and I think when we say, God's gonna do it this year. It's usually something. So I would say in our triangle of the what, the why, and the how, we say, God do it, it's what. We have something in our mind, a business or a relationship or something that I'm believing you for, and this was Elijah. He saw God's splendor at Mount Carmel, that was no question. It was big and it was bold, that was no question. God had done more than Elijah could imagine, that was not in question. But what we don't see from Elijah is the two other points in the triangle, which is the why and the how. And today I want to dive into those two critical components. So we're going to be talking about the what, the why, and the how. So let's begin by talking about the missing component of why. You know, so many psychologists would say that it is a why, your life's purpose, the driving why behind what you do, what you're called to do, your profession, your vocation, where you serve your time, where you worship. The driving why is more important than any other piece of the triangle. But what does that look like in God's story? What does that look like to a person like Elijah or you or me as we are fulfilling the call that God has for us? Well, the first thing that Elijah failed to realize that we must realize if we're going to be successful in God's story is the greatest miracle, one of God's greatest miracles for you and me is to get you out of you, is to get you out of yourself. Meaning Elijah sat right here under the tree and he said, God. I don't even want to live. Take me out of this equation. But that is not what Psalm 34, 4 says. It says, I sought the Lord and he answered me. He delivered me from all my fears. Not somebody else's, not Jezebel's jeers, not the person on your job that's giving you a hard time. He delivers us from our own fears. In essence, he's saying, I deliver you from you. Elijah is sitting there, but this is no, it's so carefully crafted by the Lord. He's sitting right in this spot. And as God begins to give him the blueprint of what he would do next, it involves where he will go. So let's just revisit our time together. It says, In uh, verse 7, the angel of the Lord came back a second time to Elijah and touched him and said, get up, the journey's going to be too much for you. So he got up and he ate and he drank and strengthened by that food, he traveled for 40 days and 40 nights until he reached Horeb. Now there's something special about Mount Horeb and maybe you didn't catch it at first, but back in Exodus 3, we found the very same mountain where Moses encountered a burning bush. In fact, later we will see that it's the very same mountain, also known as Mount Sinai, where Moses encountered God and received the Ten Commandments. Horeb is a place where God dwells and speaks. He says to Elisha, you need to get out of yourself if you will take a moment and come out of your own head and your own thoughts and your own worries and your own needs, if you will come out of yourself, I have somewhere that I would like to meet with you. You see, you and I have to make the same decision to come out of our own energy, to come out of our own strength, to come out of our own ways of being if we are going to encounter God. I love that the angel gives him bread and the angel gives him a a drink, things that his physical body needed. In essence, he was saying, I'm here to replenish you. I'm here to release you. And I'm here to recover you. And this is the great news about the how. This is the great news about the why. God doesn't just want to use you and I for his service. He could have done anything. He doesn't need us in the equation, but he chose to do it and not only to do it, but for you and I to be healthy in the process. The second thing that we see in the triangle of why God decided to use uh, Elijah in this way is he wanted to give us a picture of this idea of togetherness. Now again, let's step back. We've been talking about God doing it together. We've been talking about our participation in it, together. But let me say to you this morning, together is a muscle. And it must be exercised. And building that muscle means that we have to be okay with some abnormal math. What do you mean, Pastor Ty? Well, John 3.30 says, As John the Baptist is going to give his life for something he didn't even do, he walks and says, he must increase, meaning Jesus, and I must decrease. Your math is funny. But wait, what are you saying? If God gives me something, if God's gonna do it in me, then it takes effort, it takes work. I'm supposed to put forth my best energy, Pastor Ty. What are you saying to me? It means that God's math is not our math. It means that his ways are not our ways. And then if we're going to advance with God and really participate in the greater story of God, then we must understand funky math. 2 Corinthians 12, 9 and 10 says, and he has said this to me, Paul speaking, My grace is sufficient for you, for power is perfected in weakness. Mostly gladly, therefore, I would rather boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may dwell in me. Therefore, I am well contented with weakness, with insults, with distress, with persecutions and difficulties. For Christ's sake, when I am weak, then I am strong." You see, in God's economy, it's not until we're empty that we're ready for his uses. Let me put it plainly to you like this. God doesn't need your strategy. He doesn't need your effort. And I'm sorry, this one sounds rough, but he doesn't even need your thoughts. He wants to do it together, but in the idea of God, the economy of God, his idea of together is different. You see, you and I have a horizontal understanding. I do it together, we worship together. You need me, I need you, we're horizontal. But in God's economy, together means you and him. So when he says, I want to do it together, it means like there's just us, like we're in an empty space. It's just you and him. And here's the crazy part, when he leans in and says your name, I want to do it together with you, it means you do nothing and I take over. This is the idea of surrender. This is Elijah's journey as he chooses. He's sitting under a tree. God says, I want you to go where I am. I want you to go to Mount Horeb and there I will meet with you. Elijah had to choose in that very moment, do I partner with the why, even if I don't understand it? How many of us can relate to that this morning? God's economy says, my son, my daughter, The miracle that I want to do the what? The splendor, the Mount Carmel, the big and wondrous things that your mind cannot even fathom. I wanna do those miracles, but I want you to know I also want to do the miracle in you. The third part of the triangle that we see in Elijah this morning is, is really framed. So we have the what? The splendor of God. This is how he wants to work together with us. We have the, uh, the why. We have why he chooses to partner with us together. And lastly, we have the how. And together, this makes a perfect trio. Turn with me now and continue reading in 1 Kings 19, beginning in verse 9. It says, Then he came there to a cave and lodged there. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him, and he said, What are you doing here, Elisha? And he said, I've been very zealous for the Lord, the God of hosts, the sons of Israel have forsaken your covenant. They've torn down your altars. They've killed your prophets with the sword. I'm all alone and they seek my life to take it away. So he said, go forth, stand on the mountain before the Lord and behold, the Lord was passing by and a great and strong wind was rending the mountains and breaking in pieces the rocks before the Lord but the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a sound of a gentle blowing. And when Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his mantle and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. And behold, a voice came to him and said, What are you doing, Elijah? This passage is so interesting because immediately after this moment, God begins to give and download Elijah, the instructions for the rest of the trajectory of his life. Go appoint this king, go find Elisha in a field plowing, go do this, go do that, and Elijah does it. This is the Elijah that we now know, the one that's fully the prophet that is bold in his speech. He he recoups his mojo, but it takes this moment for God to speak to Elijah. It's, it's not what, and it's not why. It's God, how are you gonna do it? And how are you gonna make peace in me that I feel like I want to take my own life in this moment? How in the world will you recover me? You know, this morning, I think about the pandemic and all of the scars that frankly, I believe our, our nation, our people group have yet to even understand what this will look like from generation to come. Two different times we see the Lord ask Elijah the same question, and if you keep reading in verse 14 and beyond, you'll see that the second time Elijah answers this question, it is with the exact same words as the first time. I was take, the people are taking down your altars and they're not worshiping you and, and, and they're forsaking your name. Elijah's like beginning to repeat this back to the Lord, even though he has just encountered God. But two very distinct things happen between the first and the second time that the Lord asked the question and Elijah responds to the question. It says the first time, Elijah, what are you doing here? And I believe, out of his anxiety and crazy, and Elijah feeling crazy, that he said, "Blah blah blah blah,", blah, blah, blah. just like that. I believe it just came out of his mouth, probably with a ton of excitement and anxiety and just crazy energy. I think Elijah was like, God, what's happening? This is, this is the Taisha Moore version, putting a little bit of color on it. Says, God, I've seen your splendor. You've done the what? I even understand and thank you for the provision of getting me safe and keeping me from Jezebel's craziness. I thank you for the, for the how. But God, what will you do in me? I feel like I'm broken, I feel like I have no direction, I feel crazy. But I believe that once the Lord began to show Elijah that I can rumble the mountains, I can make the earth beneath you shake, I can set fire on mountains just like Moses encountered burning bushes. I can do all of these things because I defy the logic of all of the environment believe that after he did all of these things, but said, I don't want to be there. The what is important. The why is important. But how we go about this thing, Elijah, is between you and me. It's a quiet whisper. Do you know what happens when somebody whispers? It means that you actually have to lean in and stop what you're doing and focus your attention because their decibel of their voice goes so low that it's not intended for everybody. It's supposed to be a private conversation. It was like God saying, come, come, come here. Come here, Elijah. You can't get what I'm about to tell you where you need to go next, what you need to do, if you and me are not in rhythm, if you and me are not in the same uh, rhythm of hearing my voice, I want you, Elijah, to hear what I'm telling you this morning. And I ask you the same question, the God of splendor that does amazing things and God will do it for you, City Place, this year. I wanna know, are you ready for the third part of the triangle, the how, where God says, I'm not in that, I want you to come here. I want you to come in close to where I am. What was the key difference between the first time and the second time that God asked the question and Elijah answered it? I believe this, Elijah embraced contentment. I can see him the first time going, God, I've been very zealous for you. Israel's forsaken you. They've started serving all these other people and I'm the only one left. And then I can see God shaking the earth and saying, Elijah, come here. There's a bigger picture. I am not lost. I have not forgotten. I understand. I see these things, but come here. I think the next time he asks the question, he goes, yeah, I am zealous for my God. And if I'm the only one left, that's okay. Do you know this morning that God wants to journey with you and me the same way that he modeled for us with Elijah? He wants to journey, but hear me, city place, he wants to journal journey with us through our trials and through our deep desires. Now, oftentimes when we think about journeying with God, we get the trial piece. We know that our life will not always be peaches and cream. We know that uh, we will be able to journey with God and he will pick us up at times and lead us into places and guide us and keep us. We know that. But my question for you is, are we also able to journey with God through our deep desires? When I said to you earlier God does it and the thing came to your mind the question for us is if God says okay but you've been crazy about it you've been telling me a million miles an hour you've been kind of obsessing over it you've almost wanted that thing more than you wanted me and so if God says look could could we talk for a minute could we be contented knowing that I'm God that I'm fully in control that I'm never going to leave you that I'm never going to forsake you that I'm not going to steer you wrong that even in your highest highs and your lowest lows, I still want you to come close to where I am. The question is, can we trust God with our trials? Okay, but your deep desires too. You know, with God, I wrote this, nothing is lost. There's nothing missing. Having God's contentment means that we exchange Christ's power over our own and that we embrace peace in every circumstance. You know, contentment is something that we think is good in our heads until God asks us for our deepest desires and our biggest trials and says, I want contentment now. I want contentment in that. It's not just good for your head. I want you to live this thing out. You know how you and I can have contentment? Because we boldly say, I know who I journey with. I know the God that I'm walking this thing out with. And I believe Elijah knew. He said, you are the God who shakes the earth. You are the one who defies logic. You are the one who holds back rain at my prayer, at mine, and I'm not God. You are the one who makes water flow in the midst of a drought and lets it fall from heaven. You are the one that gives me the exact blueprint to get fed by birds over three and a half years. If that's what you're going to do, if you're gonna show me your splendor, then I don't care how you do it, God. I trust the one that I'm journeying with. Some of you have real trials. You have real anxieties. You have real fears. You have real needs. And this morning, this is why we gather. This is why we do not forsake the gathering of the brethren. This is the purpose for which we lean in and do it together. But some of you have real dreams. You have real things that you want to accomplish. You have businesses and relationship goals and career goals. And some of you wanna go back to school and do big things. And God asks for each side of the full spectrum to be in total control. So the question then is, will you do it together? Will your together be with him? As we conclude, I'll, I'll leave you with this scripture, and hopefully you can listen to this scripture in a new way. Philippians 4, 11, and 13. Many of us know the latter part of this scripture, but I want you to hear the tea up. What, what's sandwiched right before the scripture that you probably know very well. And we ask the Holy Spirit to give, us, to give it to us with fresh eyes this morning. Philippians 4, 11. Not that I speak from what I want, for I have learned to be content in whatever circumstance I am. I know how to get along with humble means and I also know how to live in poverty. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of being filled and going hungry, both of having abundance and suffering need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Did you hear that last part? It's like God is saying, I can do all things. Paul is saying right here, I can do all things through him, the vertical. I can do it together with him. I can't do it by myself. I can't do it because I'm cute. I can't do it because I'm eloquent. I can do it because I'm I know who I journey with. I know who I'm in this thing together with. I can do it all through him who strengthens me. I'm asking you this morning, can you trust God this morning with your deepest trials and your biggest dreams? Right now on your notes, you have a couple of questions that I leave you with this morning. And the first question is, what's your greatest pain point to which you need contentment? What is the biggest thing in your life right now, today, that you need contentment of God? Not a solution, not the prayer, not the result, not the what, not the why, but where do you need the contentment? What do you need God to do in you in this area? And then the second question is, what's your greatest desire in this moment that you need contentment to say come what may God, do whatever you want, however you want, on whatever time clock you want. Nothing is going to separate me wanting to lean in to your whisper. I want to pray for you, City Place. I know for so many of you that are watching, you're saying, Pastor Ty, I need God to do a work in me. I have been anxious. I have been a little bit crazy. I've let my emotions get the best of me. I've been not myself. And I wanna pray for a spirit of contentment for you. I wanna pray for the how of how you journey in your journey with Christ. I don't just wanna pray for the what or even the why. I wanna pray of how this journey unfolds for you and your God. For some of you that are also watching, you would say, Pastor Ty, to be honest, I want to hear from God I hear you talking about hearing from God, but I don't even know how to do that. And I wanna pray for you as well. I wanna pray that you would experience today the full relationship and boldness with Christ that he would have for you. It's a simple prayer that I'll pray in just a moment that says, Jesus, I believe that you died for me, that you rose for me. I wanna be your child. I wanna be in relationship with you. Will you teach me what steps to take? those of you that would say, Pastor Ty, I want you to pray for me for one of those two reasons, either contentment or you would like to receive Jesus Christ for the very first time or maybe you have done that at one point in your life but you want to say, I'm recommitting my life today to follow Christ I want to pray for you, right where you are right where you are, will you put up your hands and repeat this prayer after me say, Jesus, I thank you I know that you're a God that brings contentment. I thank you for doing the miraculous, for doing things that blow our minds, for doing the what. I thank you for teaching us the why, for choosing a relationship with me. But God, I thank you now for the how for not just looking at the outcome, but for how we journey together. Jesus, I declare that you died for me, that you rose again, and I'm declaring you as God this morning. I am yours and you are mine. In Jesus' name, amen. City Place it says in the Bible that heaven is rejoicing when just one person makes this decision. And I wanna tell you how brave and how bold you are, no matter what one of those prayers you prayed this morning, God is excited as he is saying, my people aren't just excited about what I will do, but how we will do it together. And they have not forsaken the opportunity that I want so deeply to have this relationship with them. I'm so proud of you, City Place. I'm so excited to be on this journey with you week after week. I'm super, super excited at this time also to welcome back Pastor Damon, who's going to tell us all about some really amazing upcoming things. Listen, Easter is just a couple of weeks away. Easter is the opportunity for you and I to say, it's not just about me and Jesus, I wanna give as many people as possible the same uh, uh, ability to experience this kind of life-giving relationship. So this Easter, I'm asking, will you invite somebody to service? If you're joining us online, you can still hit the share button. You can send it out to your family and friends. If you're with us in person, make sure that you're bringing people with you, that you're letting us know ahead of time so we can keep everything safe and sanitary for you. Easter is an awesome opportunity. Every single year, God blows our minds with how many people recommit their lives back to him. And I tell you, there's nothing more important than that. The well, City Place, I love you so very much. It's always such an honor to be with you. Hang tight for just a moment as we welcome back Pastor Damon.
0: Come on City Place Church. Will we do this together? Come on, can somebody say what? Can somebody say why? And can one more person say how? Come on, this Easter season, God is gonna show up. God's gonna show up and I wanna encourage you to be on the edge of your seat, not just for yourself, but for someone else. You know, I don't know if you are as stirred as I am from what Pastor Ty just got through preaching, but I am so animated and excited about these next two weeks. We said that we were going to go fervent into this Easter season and we were going to bring people along. And so I want to just reemphasize these next few weeks. In fact, the week leading up to Easter, we're going to have seven days of prayer. And we want you to identify those people that you're going to be praying for and those people that you're gonna be inviting. And so we wanna encourage you to do two things. I wanna encourage you to be praying for your friends and the people you don't know. And I also want you to be active and sensitive to who God will have you invite. Here's what we need you to do. We need you to serve one service and sit one service. Like we want you to like come to service because you brought somebody, or we need you to serve so that those people that are coming in can be loved on. You can serve online as a host if, you, if you're gonna be joining us online and you can get involved right now in your City Place family in service live on Easter Sunday. And so we want you to be involved. We are asking God to multiply the harvest as we do this together. Somebody say what? Somebody say why? Somebody say how? We're also gonna worship the Lord with our giving. You know, God gives you and I uh, resources for his kingdom to make a kingdom impact. You and I are vessels for him. And as City Place Church, we believe that God has called our church to live, to give. In fact, part of your kingdom dollars is going to be making an impact in kids lives. I know this might seem a little crazy, but we're actually going to be giving every kid that comes on Easter Sunday just some gifts that represent Jesus. Well, will we do that? through our kingdom finances. But we're just not going to just do it for the people that come to service. We're also going to be blessing people in our community because of your generosity. We believe that God has called our church to be a resource and you play a part in that. So today, as you partner with City Place Church, I just want to pray that you can give online or via text. I want you to have a vision for the impact that our kingdom finances is going to make. We're believing that this Easter season, God multiplies his harvest in Jesus' name. So we thank you for partnering with us and we're going to celebrate all that God does. Amen. Are you ready? Come on. One more time before we head out. The what? Come on. Somebody say what? Somebody say why? Somebody say how? Together, God's going to do it. I can't wait to see you back here next Sunday. Have a great week. Thanks so much for joining us. Stay connected by subscribing to the City Place Church podcast, following us on Instagram, checking us out on Facebook, or by visiting our website, www.cityplacechurch.com.